0: God, we love you. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for a chance to come together this morning just as we are. God, seekers, sojourners, sinners, saints, Lord, all that are in need and find their needs satisfied in you as you made a way in Christ. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning that it is not just a textbook. It's not just an instruction manual. It's not just a, a piece of folklore. It is your word, your heart, your character given to us so that we could know you and we could know how to uh, walk in fellowship with you and to honor and live for you in this world. So we submit uh, just our lives to you now. We, we come under the authority of you and your word, Lord, asking you to transform us, asking you to bring understanding, asking you or to, to work through this, that, we would, that you would be glorified in our lives. So Lord, we love you. We give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. So we continue teaching through our statement of faith, it's these, these core statements of our core doctrine and convictions, again, that we come through in Scripture. We've taught about uh, God. We've taught about the Bible, and now we're teaching on the human condition. You're like, yay, glad I came today, if you know anything of what that might mean. Um, we're definitely going to hit a valley but, you know, I, I always heard growing up, you know, if you insult someone, it takes seven buildups to make up for that one insult, or like if you've got bad news, you should sandwich it with good news kind of thing, and, and thankfully, that's kind of where we're at today. We're going to kind of go up the roller coaster and get to the peak, and then we're going to scream as we go down to the bottom, and then we're going to come back up to, the, to the, just the fun thrill ride at the end, so that's kind, of, that's kind of today, but we're thinking about the human condition, and talking to Sange beforehand, it brought something back to mind that I saw this week and we hear echoed in our culture all the time when we think about the human condition we think about the state of man the hope of man the promise of mankind like what what is our purpose in this world and what is our hope and and more and more and more we are hearing just the the lifting of our own selves that that hey all you have man just saw this thing the key to heaven was to nourish yourself i saw that this week and it was this Usually, the celebrated phrase, it to, the, the, the reality of heaven is to nourish yourself. So to honor yourself, to nourish yourself, to put yourself first, to do what's natural to you is your promise of heaven, is your promise of hope. And we hear that over and over again. And if you've pursued that to any depths, you can attest that it's very satisfying for a while. But it ends up worse than you started, because now you know that that doesn't satisfy. Now you know that that leads to nowhere. Now you know that that doesn't, that doesn't strengthen your hope. And if we're real honest, we all know that's because there are parts of ourselves that we don't like. There are parts of ourselves that are not good. And so today, we're going to look at that, kind of where all this comes from. We, where all this comes from, we are complex creatures. We are. There's a quote from a guy I've never heard of, but he was quoted by a guy that I really trust. And this guy, so this guy's name is Daniel Migliori, and he said this about humans. He said, "'We human beings are a mystery to ourselves. We are rational and irrational, civilized and savage, capable of deep friendship and murderous hostility, free and in bondage, the pinnacle of creation and its greatest danger.'" We are Rembrandt and Hitler, Mozart and Stalin, Antigone and Lady Macbeth, Ruth and Jezebel. We're, we're complex creatures. And man, we, we think about all this and we look at our world and we've got these big questions that every one of us consider, some more, uh, more defined than others, but we all think of these questions. We think of the questions, who am I? That's a loaded question, and we we start to answer that quickly, but then then we kind of hit this pause button. We're like, who am I? We think, what is my greatest need in this world? What is my purpose in this life, or what was I created for? And then we're led to, why do I struggle? Will there ever be peace? Man, that's a current question. All of these big questions are rooted in the fact of something that we all know. We all sense it. We all know that something is missing. Mark Twain, Mark Twain said this, man is the only creature in all of creation that can blush. And he is the only creature that needs to. We are the only creatures that realize that we are not what we should be. And that discrepancy is the cause of great distress. So that's our theme of what we step in today. So as I said, we've taught about who God is. We've taught about the the authority of Scripture and that we can trust it. That It is the the life-giving Word of God in the way of knowing Him. So today we look at our convictions of uh, of the human condition, of who we are. So this is our statement that we would say, again, we get this from Scripture, and we're going to kind of unpack this as we go, but let's go ahead and read it together. Uh, It says this about the human condition. We believe that God created Adam and Eve in His image but they sin when, they t- when, when tempted by Satan. In union with Adam, human beings are sinners by nature and by choice, alienated from God and under his wrath. Only through God's saving work in Jesus Christ can we be rescued, reconciled, and renewed. So unlike the last couple of weeks, we are actually going to talk through this statement, break it down, and teach through it. Um, my, my prayer for today, my prayer is that as a result of today, that we would all see, or, or at least at a foundational level, why, why we're here and also, and also how we can pursue to know and bring peace in this world when there seems to be no hope of peace. All of this will come through us uh, seeing all of humankind that we all have a common value, that we all have a common need, and that we all have a common hope. So let's get started. So we start with the common value. Our statement starts out with this. It says, we believe that God created Adam and Eve in his image. That phrase right there speaks to every single person that was ever created having a common value. What is that common value? First and foremost is that we were created by God. The best way to understand the workings of created things is to look to its creator. So God is our creator, and he's, he's revealed to us in his word all that we need to know and understand about who we are and what our purpose is. So it is no coincidence that we've already looked at who God is. we looked at scripture. Again, I know not everyone's here every week, so you can go back through uh, on our website and listen to those past sermons, or you can just get together in the middle of the week, Crazy concept listen to it together maybe, discuss it together maybe, read the scriptures that we have to help you along. Uh, You can find a lot of resources on our website for that. You can also just call me up. I always love that and we can get together. So but again so it's no coincidence that we started with who God is then we went to scripture because again all of our understanding starts with God and then he has made his knowledge and his way and his will and his person known through the word. So what is our value that we all have in common? Every person has a value that comes in the dignity given us all by God himself. So first is that every person has a dignity of likeness. What does that mean? Genesis 1, 26 and 27 says this. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have common dominion, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So just to make sure it's extremely clear, we are talking about men and women. Is all of mankind, all were created in the image of God, all were created equal. So we're created by the hand of God in the likeness of God. What greater value and dignity is there than that? And catch this, of all that was created by God, which by the way, all that is was created by God. So all that was created by God, of all that, mankind, you and me, The only created thing that was created in in his image, as we call it the Imago Dei, in the image of God. So, first and foremost, we must be defined in relation to God. We must be defined in our understanding of who God is as the image of God. Those who were created, who were meant most to magnificent, in the most magnificent of ways, reveal his glory to the world. That is it. Is there a greater value than that? If you believe that God is who He said He is, that He's good, that He's sovereign, that He's righteous, that He's holy, that He's selfless, that He's all of these things, what greater value if, if that is what we were created for in His image, to magnificently manifest that glory to the world? To say that we are created in God's likeness is not to say that we are totally alike One commentary put it this way, Adam was created by divine hands, but of normal dust. Mankind is of the world, but somehow at the same time above it. When we think about our likeness of God, but yet not totally alike, What comes to mind is these things we call the incommunicable and the communicable attributes of God. Incommunicable means those that belong to God only. Communicable means those that he shares with us. Would you like some examples? Sure, I'll give you some. So some incommunicable examples would be the incommunicable incommunicable attributes. The ones that we are not like God would be that we are not sovereign as he is. We are not eternal as he is. We are not self-existent and that we need. He needs nothing and needs no one. We are not omnipresent. We can only be here. I cannot be here and at home at the same time, although sometimes I would like to still be in bed. Um, We cannot, we're not omniscient. We can only know what we know, and we can only know as little as we know. We cannot know, I cannot know what Amber knows, or all of it. I know what, anyway. She tells me a lot, but uh, it's a good marriage. Talk. Married couples, talk. Share everything. Okay, Um, caveat. Um, so, thinking about those are incommunicable traits. We are not omnipotent either. We're not all powerful. We have limits to our wisdom, to our ability, to our lifespan. The communicable traits, ones that we are like God, they're more of the moral attributes of God. We can be loving. We can be generous. We can be sacrificial. We can be. We can show goodness. We can show kindness. These are where we are like God. So we must remember that even in these, there is a sense that they, so even in these communicable attributes of God, there is a part of them that are incommunicable because He exhibits all of these in a perfect and infinitely perfect way. We exhibit and show these in an imperfect and limited way, but yet they are still given to us by Him. So when we think about this, the value and the dignity of being created in the image of God in, in, to, to bring His glory to this, to this world, we must live purposefully in our likeness with God, Is that is the means in which God means to bring us peace and reveal Himself to the world, while at the same time we can rejoice in our unlikeness, because that's what makes God worthy and brings us much comfort in this world. I'm thankful that He's not like me because I know me. am thankful He's not totally like me. I want to be more like Him. Hey, that's sanctification. That's the process of being made more like Him through life, through grace in Christ. But I'm thankful that we're not totally alike. I'm thankful that I have a God that, that I cannot fully comprehend. I'm thankful that I have a God that has no beginning and no end. I'm thankful that I have a God whose understanding and wisdom is limitless, who is in heaven and does what He pleases. So, where we are alike, we are purposeful. Where we are unlike, we rejoice. So, we have a value just in the fact that we are created in His image. We can see that every person has dignity because they were created in the image of God for His purpose. This is another cause for value, that we were not just created in His image, but also created to share in His purpose See, we, we can, when we think about purpose, we should think about work and active participation. And I think that we can make the mistake that work did not exist until the fall. That work was a curse of the fall. But part of God's intent in creating us, creating us was to actually partner with Him in the work of this world, even in its perfection. What is that work? What is it? I've already kind of said it. It's to glorify Him and steward His creation. We see this in Genesis 1.28. It says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, That's Adam and Eve, be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing from the moves uh, that moves on earth. And just to be clear, when we see about being fruitful and multiplying, he's like, that's good, right? And what it takes to do that is very good. Sex is good. But really, the mandate there is, again, as his image bears, when you be fruitful and multiply, you are multiplying my image across the face of the earth. And it is God's glory that, that, that is the point of it all. And so through his image being made manifest through his creation and his, pri- his pinnacle of creation, you and me, we are doing the work of spreading his glory across the earth. And then we see here, Genesis 2.15, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden as, as well as the woman of Eden to work it and keep it. This is before the fall. So he says here, steward my creation. Steward it. I care about it, so therefore you should care about it. Steward it. Tend it. And it was not toilsome. So we see that we have dignity and that we were created in His image and also that we have dignity and value that we were created for His purpose. So every single person, every single person, starting with you, and then every single person you can think of in your life and beyond, the people that all of a sudden when we, when we stretch, we're like, well, that person can't have a purpose. They're evil. That person can't have a purpose. They're, they're, we have all sorts of reasons that we could dismiss someone as having purpose, But yet, every single person that has been created has been created for this purpose. There is a purpose. My prayer for us is that we see the value of every person. That they were created in the image of God for His purpose. Man, start with yourself. Again, this is not what we started talking about with just value yourself. Again, hopefully you see where that finds its roots in good truth, but then it it goes awry very quickly. But yet, to understand your worth... From the, from the point, from the origination point of who God is and then His intent for you, then all of a sudden it's a great thing to celebrate your worth because all of a sudden you're not celebrating you, you're celebrating the Creator God. So, every person has value in the image of God and, as, and as they were created in His purpose. And then we think about kind of one last thing of creation. All of mankind was created in God's likeness for His purpose, but mankind was also created in Freedom freedom of this relationship that we've talked about in here before. When we think about this likeness, as we've already heard, when we think about freedom, neither are absolute. Our likeness is not absolute, as we already talked about. Our freedom is not absolute. Our likeness does not mean that we are equal and our freedom is not limitless. God is a God-desiring relationship and created us for that, but He is also a God who is wholly different both in qualities and positions. So therefore, He demands and is worthy of our submitting him so the greatest end of our freedom that we were created in is is so that we would choose to glorify him and enjoy our fellowship with him that's the greatest end of our freedom but how do we use this freedom how did adam and eve and we can as we go forward we'll see that when we talk about adam and eve we are talking about us so how do we use this freedom what happened Let's look at our next session of our statement to guide us and to see that all of mankind not only has a common value, but we also have a common need. Our statement continues and says this. It says, but they sinned when tempted by Satan. In union with Adam, human beings are sinners by nature and by choice, alienated from God and under his wrath. So I hope, I, I, I don't know if I took us to the top. I hope y'all enjoyed the top." I don't know if you realize that we were there. We're already going downhill, okay? But we need to feel this. We need to feel the weight of this. We need to feel the sting. We see our common need in that man fell. We all sinned. And And our union with God was broken. So God had created all things good. He'd given mankind dominion in and over all the earth. And he gave them one prohibition. One thing. He said, but but this. Genesis 2, 16 and 17 says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day, in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And so we see we see this prohibition. Then we see Satan enter in, the tempter. Genesis 3, 1 through 7. We're going to read all all seven of these verses. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. and made themselves loincloths. So we see here, when tempted, when faced with the deception and the lie, they believe the lie, and and, and that mistake is not their biggest sin. The biggest sin was that they chose that their way was better than God's way. They denied God as the sovereign creator God and placed themselves as their own sovereigns. And that has been the sin of every man since. So we see first that the, that the first people, Adam and Eve, sinned. And in that moment, in that moment is when sin entered mankind and into the entire world. In that moment, relationship was fractured. Mankind's relationship with God, mankind's relationship with one another, and mankind's relationship with creation. Mankind, as the pinnacle of creation, made the way for the corruption of all, all things. So, since then, we all, as the offspring of Adam and Eve, have been sinners. And we see here, it says, we are sinners by nature and are sinners by our own actions. So, we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. And we don't like that. But uh, that's, that's better that way. Let's keep moving forward. And so when we think about us being sinners in Adam, we can look to Romans 5, now moving to some of the New Testament here. Look at verse 12, it says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. We see there the summation of the statement in our, in our, in our statement that we sin. Because we are, uh, it says, but, but they sin when tempted by Satan in union with Adam. Human beings are sinners by nature and also by choice. So it's not just that, because a sense of injustice rises up when we think, well, Adam and Eve did it, I didn't. Why are we being held accountable for them? But again, because we are all of the same line, we are all sinners. But then also, we cannot deny that each one of us has indeed sinned. Each one of us, even if it weren't for Adam, are to be held accountable. We have grounds for being accountable. Let me just remind you of what sin is. Sin only exists as defined by God. Sin is defined by anything falling short of God's righteous standard. God is a righteous, holy God who created created us to, again, in His image, to embody and exhibit His image in this world. So, therefore, we are to exhibit that righteous standard sin itself is an archery term we've said it in here before it's an archery term uh, in archery you've got the perfect bullseye right your your arrow hits there the word sin is anything outside of dead center in archery so that's the same word used it is it is any measure of missing the mark so in archery if you if you miss here or you totally miss the target altogether it is the same word is sin It's missing the mark. And so we can see that every one of us, in some way, whether in our minds we're here or way out here, have missed the mark. We have all sinned. So if your sense of injustice rises up, that we're being held accountable for Adam, you can just, let's just be humbled again and remember that we all have reason to be held accountable. And so we see that we have all sinned. So we see the common value created in the image of God for His purpose, but we also see a common need that we have all fallen. We have all had this fracture of relationship, this fracture of, 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 of this, this, from this denial of who God is. So God is the righteous and just God. He had to speak judgment on His creation or else He could not be righteous and just. And as that happened, all of creation, all of mankind came under his wrath. Yep, we're going to come up out of the valley soon, but let's make sure not to rush it. Genesis 3, 16 through 19, we see God's spoken judgment here. He turns to the woman and he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children children. Till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So we see the curse, and and just prior to this exchange, let me just so we see we see just the the visible and, and, and the experiential effects of the fall. There's struggle, there's pain, there's toil, there's turmoil. But the greatest fracture happens right before this. And it's just after, and they realized, when we just read it, we said they realized they were naked, and they, shame entered. They clothed themselves in fig leaves, and they hid behind a bush. And God came walking in the cool of the day, just as has happened a hundred times before, or how many times? Who knows how many times? A lot of times. And, he, and He's walking, and they're hiding from Him. They never had a reason to hide before. There was complete common fellowship between them. But they hid And that is the greatest damage done in the fall, is that that relationship, that that, that complete union was fractured. And from then on, we have been hiding and compensating because of shame in our sin. And we see the judgment come, but all is not lost. Before we give the relief, just let us sit for a minute Acknowledge that God is good. Acknowledge that He created all things good. Acknowledge that He created mankind good. And sin entered the world through the deceiver in our rebellion. Broke the fellowship. If we want to be angry, let's, be, let's place our anger in the right place. Our anger can only be, as Satan the deceiver and ourselves in our rebellion. And let us be broken. Let us be humbled and see the heart and the intent of God and His creation and His response. So here's His response. Thank goodness all is not lost. Genesis 3, 14 through 15 says this, the Lord God said to the serpent... Because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Do you see what just happened? Maybe, maybe not. So let's, let's just, let me help you out a second. So God, again, like I said, because He is holy and just, had to extend His judgment. That's what we see happening here. This judgment continued. But in His infinite, perfect love, at that same moment, He spoke His plan for redeeming His people and His creation. We cannot say that God is impersonal or unloving. We cannot say that God is aloof or inactive. He stepped in immediately. Verse fifteen says, "He shall bruise your head," speaking of the offspring, which is actually speaking of Jesus. And you shall bruise his heel. So we're already. This is the protoevangelia, the first proclamation of the gospel of Jesus. Immediately upon we see this here at the beginning of creation, his work of redemption began. So we're looking ahead to Jesus, the blow to the heel that the serpent inflicts on. The offspring, which is Jesus, is a wound. We're speaking of the cross here, but it's not fatal. (laughs) He rose from the grave. In his life, we can have life. The blow to the head that the offspring inflicts on the serpent that Jesus inflicts on Satan is a death blow. Speaking of his ultimate defeat. His hold on sin and death was broken on the cross of Calvary. And we see a greater fulfillment coming and the returning of Christ. So judgment and hope came in the same sentence. We see just a great picture of all that God is. We, it's hard for us to understand how someone can be totally just and totally loving. Totally, totally uh, right in their wrath and merciful and gracious at the same time. We see God working in this perfect harmony right here. So judgment and hope in the same sentence. So this brings us to our last section of our statement today. So we've seen that all of mankind shares a common value, we share a common need, and now we have to see that we have a common hope. So our, our, our statement about the human condition closes here. It says, only through God's saving work in Jesus Christ can we be rescued Reconciled and renewed. So, let me just say for the next two weeks, we'll be looking at the person of Jesus and the work that he accomplishes. So, let today just be a foundation. Let it entice you to lean into the truth of God and consider his goodness shown in Christ. And just kind of for your own fellowship with the Lord, your own personal pursuit, and even amongst each other, spend some time in Genesis 1 through 3, and then really spend some time in Romans 5 12 through 19. Uh, and I, I would, you, if you really want this to come to life, you really want the next two weeks to, to be rich and to be transforming, do that on your own. So that's coming over the next two weeks. You know, like I said, we often want to call foul when we think of, about us being held accountable by the actions of Adam and Eve. We don't like that, but the rest of the story goes like this. And if we look at, if we were to read all of Romans 5, kind of 12 through 19, we would see this kind of hashed out. We're going to look at this one verse kind of in summary. Romans five fifteen. it says, But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, that's Adam and Eve, much more hath the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. We are more like Adam than we are Jesus but in God's kindness, we partake in the gift of his righteousness through Christ. So if you want to call foul on us being held accountable to Adam and Eve's actions, I mean, we would have to, to have a dignity, to have, a, to have a integrity of our, of, our, of our mindset on this, we would have to call an even louder foul that we get to align with the work of Christ, that we get to identify with, with him. We're more like Adam than we are Jesus, but in God's kindness, we partake in the gift of His righteousness through Christ. So like I said, we're going to unpack this more and more over the next couple of weeks. But for today, we must allow the tensions of this world to bring us to the reality of a righteous, good God, and that we are in need, and that in His goodness, He made a way for us to be restored. As understanding that we are sinners in need of grace and salvation only comes by faith in Christ. And if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. There's your hope, the hope for every man. We must help others to know this tension as well, to understand that the struggles of this world are meant to bring us to the feet of God, to the foot of the cross Again, let us call out and remind that every person has worth because of us being created in the image of God and for His purpose. Let us cry out and live in a way that draws attention to that every person ever created has the same need and that we are all bound in sin and death yearning for a Savior because we are rebels at heart. Then let us cry out, proclaim with the tops of our lungs, with all that we are, that every person ever created has a common hope in Jesus. So we're going to close with some thoughts from a French philosopher named Blaise Pascal. This guy was brilliant. He was, like, created, like, one of the first mechanical calculators in the 1600s, did it, like, he was writing stuff at 16 years old. Like, he was, anyway, just amazing guy. He shouldn't be able to, like, be that smart about that stuff and then also be this insightful about who the Lord is, but I'm thankful for him anyway. But we're going to close with some thoughts from him. He says this, the greatness of man is great and that he knows himself to be miserable. The greatness of man is great and that he knows himself to be miserable. That's one of the greatest things about man. In responding to the question, why is it that we expect more good out of human beings than can ever be realized? Pascal states this, who is unhappy at not being king Except a deposed king. So you want to know why there's tension in this world. Why there's struggle in this world. Because we were all created by the hand of one creator. By the hand of our mighty sovereign God. We're all yearning to return. We have all tasted the dissatisfaction of of missing what we were created for. Of the, of the image of God marred in us and the relationship separated, His purpose foiled because of our flesh and seeing, the, 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 seeing it exhibited around us in the world, such pain and suffering that is only a result of His design and desire being broken in our rebellion. Who is unhappy at not being a king except a deposed king? Everyone understands there's more. Let us point them to Christ. Let's help them know their need. Let them find their value in who they're created to be. In Christ, all that was broken and fractured is restored and redeemed. We get to be on the mountaintop for the next couple of weeks. So make sure you come back. Let me pray. Lord, I'm in awe of you. We are not worthy of your love, we are not worthy of your intervention on our behalf. We were your prized creation, the pinnacle of your creation. Those of you had, who you had brought alongside and said, "Partner with me in my work in this world. Live out as my image bearer. Parti- participate in the stewarding of my creation." Let us not think that it wasn't personal. And we rebelled against you you created us for fellowship god you walked with us in the garden so let us find peace let us find confidence let us find courage and boldness in the fact that we were created in your image by your hands for your purpose just be humbled in the fact and broken in the fact that we rebelled against you, that we placed ourselves as sovereign. Lord, humble our hearts. Lord, help us to swallow the truth Lord, that we are sinners. And Lord, that that would lead us to the next breath of just the wonder, the, 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 the scandal of radical grace Lord, that you showed us in Christ. Or that we can also have a common hope. So, Lord, we as your church, let us live in a way that is, is again, calling, that is calling out to the world these truths, Lord, that even now we are partnering and stewarding your creation. Lord, we thank you for the, the, the earthly, tangible ways that you provide and bless. But again, that we will remember the words of what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? And we would see that the greatest stewarding of this creation we can do is calling people to You to find hope and be restored. So, Lord, if there are any in this room that have not come to an understanding of, of knowing Jesus as Savior, I just pray for that comfort and grace to wash over them. I pray for clarity, that they would come home and find peace. I pray for those that have acknowledged Christ, Lord, let us not be lackadaisical or selfish in our understanding of why we are here, that we are to understand that every breath is for your glory. Lord, in the, in the goings of our days, whether we are working, whether we are playing, whether we are serving, whether we are, are gathered together as the church worshiping, that all is for you. Let us do so in a way that reflects that, that our lives are not our own. Lord, it says your kindness leads us to repentance. So just let us repent now. Let us confess well. Find restoration in Jesus. And Live out your will in this life. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen.